Hello and welcome to the Turbo Button Podcast. It's me this time, Christopher DeLeon. Uh, I am joined, as usual, by my co-host, Zachary Hart. Hey there. And for the first time in Turbo Button Podcast history, special guest, Tyler Lytle. Hello there, hello. hello. This is a day that'll go down the history textbooks. I feel so honored to be just here. the not even just the history ones. I think the physics ones too. Oh yeah, because uh, there is there is no alternate universe where this does not happen. This is the one event where <laughs> I bet Michio Kaku will have a special on this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I hope so. I <laughs> I can only hope. I oh man, Michio Kaku. Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Already getting off topic. So. All right. Well, as usual, uh, in the Turbo Button podcast, we're going to be talking about games. And let's start off, as we do, with the games we've been playing in the last week. Tyler, since you're our guest, why don't you go ahead and uh, let us know? Alrighty. So uh, this week, I've uh, been playing a lot of Diablo 3 with the release of the Necromancer. Um, in fact, that's pretty much all I've been playing. Um <laughs> I got him max level in like a day and a half and uh, just been uh, running for my, my gear setup now, uh, doing riffs. Necromancer is, is very, very fun, very enjoyable class, very satisfying, uh, running around with all your minions and just crushing dudes. Um, sorry? Oh, I was about to ask, um, do you have a special build that you do for your uh, Necromancer? I do, I do. I have a very, a good, a good, a great build. I, I looked up builds online and I based it. This build is based off of one of those builds, um, but there, there's there are a couple differences um, just for my playstyle's sake and just because I also don't have some of the gear that might be required for that other build. Uh, but I run uh, Devour, which is the um, consume corpses to uh, give you uh, essence. And I use the aura rune so that it automatically doesn't. I have my uh, skeletons uh, using the frost rune so they freeze. Um, I use blood rush to teleport. Um, bone armor is a great, great spell. And uh, for my uh, normal, you know, my my left click got the grim scythe uh, with. Uh, the chance to afflict a curse, uh, but I also have a legendary that makes it a hundred percent chance to afflict a curse. Um, so that's pretty great combo. And then of course the great skeletal mages. I think everyone has skeletal mages in their build. Nice, nice. I I do have a pretty pretty similar build right now because I haven't leveled up my necromancer to full level yet because I'm pretty busy. I usually go with the skeleton army and the mage kind of centric playstyle. Yeah. I kind of I kind of have a question Tyler. You're the between uh, out of the three of us, especially between me and Zach, you are the much more veteran player of Diablo 3. Um how do you feel I like how do you feel the necromancer class compares to the other ones that you've played especially at higher levels? Um yeah, so I can talk about that a little bit. Um I have a max level character of every class besides the crusader. Um so I know a little bit about it. I haven't. I've. I used to play it pretty, 
pretty regularly, but I, I haven't been playing recently um, until the Necromancer came out. Um, so, uh, from my understanding, right now, um, Necromancer is maybe the strongest uh, class in the game uh, for clearing rifts. Um, and that's probably just because it's not quite balanced yet. It's just been released. We need time for for really all build paths to kind of be explored and kind of uh, the real balance changes to come in because they can do, you know, they can do balance changes uh, in the betas and the patches and before the release, but it, it doesn't get the, the widespread use and maybe even sometimes exploitation that uh, we see. So there, I, I know for sure we're going to see some balance changes for the Necromancer because from my understanding, they're very strong. Um as far okay. as comparable to other classes, um, they're really just uh, if you're if you're clearing rifts, um, you really kind of just want to run through it and just find the elites and uh, just focus on them because with your blood rush teleport thing, you kind of just graze through easily, um, and your minions will just kill stuff along the way. Uh, but overall, Necromancer, extremely satisfying, very, very fun. Um, I was Diablo 2 is probably my favorite game of all time, uh, and the Necromancer was my favorite class in Diablo 2, so uh, I'm so happy to see it come to uh, Diablo 3 that it's probably going to make me put a lot more hours into it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. It already has. Yeah. It already has. Yeah. So you, I, the thing is that with Blizzard you like they set they set the price tag and then you kind of like bite the bullet do you feel like you've bitten the bullet or do you <clears> think <throat> it was uh it, it, see it sounds to me like you're very satisfied having paid 15 dollars for a character pack essentially and no real new content yeah so the the 15 price point i feel is is a little high it's a little steep but i personally i really don't mind paying it because i'm very very satisfied with the necromancer cool uh, and it's got Zach. me back in the game. Zach, Wait. what have you been... Oh, sorry again? Sorry? Oh, I was about to ask, was there any other games that you played, Tyler, besides... Uh, um, uh, I've been playing playing a bit of uh, the old PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds. Uh, uh, I've been talking group. a lot about PUBG. <laughs> I have a friend group that I play that with uh, pretty regularly. Um, we won a game last week. Uh, it was pretty a squad game. There are only three of us, but... We we uh, took the uh, the old chicken dinner, as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's pretty much all I've been playing recently. Nice. Okay, Zach, um, what have you been playing this week? Well, awesome news on that front. I finally finished Persona Five. Um, that game took me, I think, around a hundred and one hours to complete it. Um, as far as compare have you have any of you two played persona i'm gonna guess no but just asking anyway. i unfortunately have not played persona i i'm a big jrpg fan but i've never owned a playstation console so i've never been able to play it legally <clears throat> right right there are um not not describing anything here obviously because it's very bad but there are ways that you can experience it but um what uh just as a little aside um something that i'm sad about persona 5 at least for me is that i didn't get to experience the wonderful presentation that comes with physical copies uh whenever atlas publishes a game as a physical copy they always have super thick user manuals 
Um, they have lots of goodies that come with the games, even in like the normal standard packages. Um, for Persona 4, you got like the soundtrack CD came with the base game. And then like they had a pretty lengthy um, instruction manual that talks in depth about not only like like how to play the game physically like the controls and stuff but it also had like a skill encyclopedia and it It had like the mythos behind all of the main personas for the main characters um they even had a like sort of dictionary for all the japanese honorifics inside in the back so it's like oh what does senpai mean why did they add senpai to the last names of everything and stuff like that or chan or kun that sort of thing which was um interesting um I think something I really enjoy about the Persona games is that it takes two things that you really didn't think would work and puts them together. So in the case of Persona 5, it's or just Persona since Persona 3, uh, it's the dungeon crawler and dating sims. And basically, they've always had this idea of you can establish bonds with other characters um, in the form of social links. And so when you create personas of this type, it matches with the type of person for like, I'm trying, I'm very dumbing this down. Like the technical terms are like, there's arcanas, like the tarot card arcana. Every persona is assigned to one of the arcanas. Um, Characters within the game are also corresponding to those arcanas. And so what you do is you establish links with those. And whenever you create a persona of that arcana, you can get an experience boost from it. But what they did in this game was, in addition to that, they basically had it so they give you neat little perks that you can use inside and outside the dungeon. Um, Persona 5, you play as a character that um, moves into Shibuya, and he's on probation, and he's moving into a new school. Um, As far as why he's on probation, that's not really revealed until a little later on in the story but the running theme of this game is that you run a thieves guild essentially and you go inside the psyche world and like take in or like steal the hearts quote-unquote of rotten adults essentially and make them confess their crimes and stuff like that um so because you're thieves a lot of times the sort of relationships that you establish within this game are kind of mischievous in a way a lot of them are like almost borderline taboo one of the people that um do you care about spoilers like minor spoilers this isn't like huge lore spoilers it's like side quest mini spoilers uh go for it but spoiler warning for anyone listening right Um, so your teacher is one of the social links you can get, but you find out later on in the story that you're, uh, apparently this teacher does not make a lot of money. So she's essentially by day a teacher, but by night an adult maid. So she cleans houses, but you know, you know what's going on after that too. So because she's one of the female social links that you can establish they also added her as a romance option which is really weird because the protagonist is like 16 years old and she's like maybe 30 (laughs) and so it's really really weird they didn't censor it um but 
Whoa. it is an option that you can date her. Um, but basically, when you level up the confident enough, uh, or the confidant is what they're called, since it's like the theme of crime and stuff like that, the perk that she gives you is something that does not take place in the dungeons, but basically you can get a massage from the maid and what it'll do is make it so that you can perform an additional action in the day because usually when you go into the dungeons in the afternoon you can't do anything afterwards because you're quote-unquote too tired to do it this makes it so that you don't have to be too tired and can actually do things like max a stat or go shopping um but also there's a lot of neat gameplay mechanics too that tie into like friendship has always been a major theme of persona and something I really enjoyed about this is that they really nailed it, in my opinion, when it comes to the combat system, in terms of stressing the theme of friendship and cooperation. Like, they they do this in some really cool ways on how status ailments are affected by some spells. So, if you cast a f fire spell on an enemy, for example, if you inflict a burn status ailment on that enemy if you have a party member that can follow up on that enemy with a wind attack it fans the flames it makes it bigger and it makes it deal like twice the damage that a wind spell alone normally would or if you land a freeze spell and freeze the enemy you get bonus damage and accuracy because if the enemy isn't moving if they land a physical attack or a gun attack and like shoot it it does extra damage and I don't it's not a guaranteed critical hit, but it does enough damage where it almost might be. So if you combine all those rules and stuff, I've actually had it so that I exploited weakness and chained it so much so that like eventually I did like maybe maybe over over like almost nine thousand damage on a single enemy in one turn, if you nice. can do it right. Um they also have this neat idea where Persona has always had this idea where if you exploit a weakness on the enemy, your character gets an additional turn to use. But they added in this game, you can actually give that additional turn to another character, and they have these really neat things where like they have moves that are powered up after you give your extra turn. They call it a, a baton pass. So you can, if you pass the baton, your extra turn over to an en or not to an enemy, to an ally. They can, they might have a move where, like, it gets boosted attack stat or some other kind of stat uh, after you pass a baton to them. So it creates neat characters. There's always been, like, roles of, like, oh, this character's my tank or this character's my physical damage dealer or this character's my support. But you also get new roles that are, like, this character is a damage dealer, but if I can actually manage to knock the enemy down this can deal extra damage and I should primarily focus on exploiting an enemy weakness so I can p toss the baton over to this character so they can deal massive damage. Um, so overall, I think Persona 5 is by far the best Persona game. I don't think it's perfect though. Um, they did have a lot of pacing issues, um, especially towards the end in the secret dungeon that I will not talk about. Um, maybe I should not have even mentioned that there was a secret dungeon. Oopsie doops. Um, so anyway. Retroactive spoilers for anyone. <laughs> Retroactive <who's> spoiler <laughs> alert. Travel guys. back in time, please. And, uh, <laughs> stop yourself from listening to those last few seconds. 
Um, it's it's not technically that big of a deal. Every Persona game has had like a secret dungeon. Yeah, post game um, content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think overall the story was really good. I think the story was actually probably one of the most interesting uh, of the Persona series. And honestly, my message to to you, the audience. If you got a PS4 and you haven't played Persona 5 yet, what's wrong with you? You need to go <laughs> head on over to the PlayStation Store and go pick up a copy. Actually, no, wait. Go get a physical copy because there's probably really good goodies in there. They had a 3DS game, actually. in the. It's a Persona spinoff mm-hmm. called Persona Q. And every physical copy of that game came with a tarot card deck in the style of like the Persona tarot card deck. Oh, that's so cool. So I have, like, little tarot cards. I wanted to get the second half, but that was um, for the fighting game, the Persona 4 fighting game that they had. And I can't find it anywhere um, because they don't... um, I think they discontinued the tarot cards after, like, maybe a year or something like that. But, yeah. That's pretty much all I've been playing. Um, Another thing... Oh, wait. I lied. Uh, The second thing I started playing was I started playing... um, my first playthrough of The Last of Us, uh, the remastered version on PS4. Oh. Um, even though I kind of know what happens in the story, I wanted to experience it, the gameplay firsthand. So this is the first time me playing it. Um, and also, I'm, I've kind of started... Uh, what was that game? Until Dawn, that game. I almost, I've kind of started that game. But I haven't actually gotten fantastic far enough into it. Oh, great Until game! Until Dawn is a fantastic game. Until um, Dawn is if, a wonderful game. Uh, let me just say this, guys: uh, if you have a PlayStation Plus account subscription, um, this uh, Until Dawn is actually the free game for this month. Uh, game of Thrones also is, but that's a horrible game, so don't play. That. <laughs> don't play that. Play uh, Until Dawn. That's like, I think that's a Dave Cage game done right so far is what i yeah agreed that's yeah. what i would say wait is P- for for ps plus is that the action rpg uh game of thrones game or is that the telltale game of thrones game there is an action rpg game of thrones yes game? it's a really bad game yes it's awful i thought the t- it's the telltale one but i thought okay. the telltale one was also pretty bad yes it is but the <laughs> action rpg games. is even worse Dude, that that series has I, I started reading the I I I've been reading the book of it for a while, but um that game has potential. I wish they did it like a Fire Emblem S game. I'm a huge Fire Emblem fan anyway. Of course, you would hear me saying something like that. So, sure. uh, um, but yeah, good games. Not enough time to play them. Um, that's pretty much the struggle of me every single day. That's also, the struggle, yeah, of, of a lot of gamers. Yeah. Also trying to play Overwatch uh, before these patches go live. And that's about it. Nice. Do you have any games that you've been playing, Chris? Yeah. I Well, there's one game I've specifically not been playing, and that's Overwatch. Um, but uh, other last week I mentioned Dropsy and Valhalla, which I've not been able to get back to, but... Um, I was able to play the first Splatoon 2 Splatfest uh, this oh. weekend. <laughs> yeah. SpongeBob um, versus Patrick. I'm it was Ice Cream versus Cake this time. Who won? Uh, Ice Cream. Nice. What's interesting What's interesting is that um, everyone is really uh, a big fan of 
Marina, the uh, the sort of shy uh, diva character, and not the not the other girl whose name I don't even remember, who seems like <laughs> more angry and aggressive. Um, Widowmaker. If you if you look not Widowmaker. If you look. <laughs> If you uh, look at Splatoon 2 fan art, you will immediately know who Marina is, and you will have no idea who this other character is. But um, the funny thing is that in in the final results, um, the people who are on Team Cake, or or, uh, Marina was was the representative for Team Ice Cream, and then the other character was for Team Cake. Um, What's interesting is that if you, at the final results... Uh, Marina, the team Cake rather, uh, played better. Like they they won more matches than um, Team Ice Cream did. But so many people voted and like uh, gave their wins to Team Ice Cream because of like Marina's popularity. That that's what put Team Ice Cream over the top. And people are actually very concerned when the game finally launches that the marina like whatever uh whatever thing marina is representing will be like all will always be the winner because she's so popular in like the fan base right now i think we just confirmed the lore for splatoon 3 but uh who knows but um i this is the first time i've played splatoon i did not own the i didn't i didn't own a wii u so i was not able to play the original splatoon um but uh nintendo's Nintendo's version of a of an esport, essentially a, a shooting based esport, is way more fun than I thought it'd be, and which is which is a little bit surprising to say if you're at all if you if you know anything about Splatoon because everyone who's ever picked up that game has been like, whoa, this is a lot of fun. I even so, I didn't expect to have as much fun as I did. Um, we were able to play. A few rotating maps um, that I actually really enjoyed a lot. My favorite one was you start up. Uh, it's like you're you are uh, at like the root on the roof of a building, um, and either side is like um, this doorway, uh, and it leads. There's a bunch of ramps that uh, switch back on each other, leading down onto this rooftop that that you fight you, that you fight over. And in um, in uh, Splatfests, uh, the only game mode is Turf War. So the point there is not necessarily to kill your opponents, it's to cover the stage with as much of your colored ink as possible. So uh, you're going around uh, uh, gibbing opponents, but you're also trying to color the color coat the floor with your ink which allow which is of, of course gives you uh increased uh, maneuverability and things like that while you're standing in your team's ink and that kind of stuff um and that was a lot of fun that was super super fun i played with the standard blaster which is just it's sort of a inaccurate like assault rifle kind of thing um there was a very there was a sniper that I was awful at because I'm just generally awful at snipers. Um, but I really enjoyed it. At a fully charged sniper could one hit KO anyone, it, like no matter where you hit them. Um, so it, it's it like it's it, but it, your uh, your your um, 
maneuverability is very slow while you're scoped and things like that. Also, the ink coverage is uh, pretty horrible for the the sniper, too. Yeah, the ink coverage is very bad. You could get people from very far away, but you're not going to be able to cover very much uh, floor. Um, I played a little bit with the new gun. It's a sort of uh, dual pistols. Uh, so you can move around much more quickly than you can if you're if you have the uh, the basic assault rifle kind of gun, um, but it does a little bit less damage, and you have to be a little bit closer. Um, and then there was the the good old uh, ink roller, which I did not unfortunately get to play with, um, but seemed like a lot of fun. And all of these uh, guns have supers, so if you are the uh, the assault rifle, for example, you get a jetpack and you like fly above people and you sort of shoot them down. Um, the the sniper allows you to shoot through walls and stuff like that. You get like one big charge shot and then it's able to shoot through um, different objects and stuff like that. Uh, the paint roller will create like an AOE around you that just one hit KOs everything and then paints everything at the same time. Um, it was it was a lot more fun than I thought. Um, and I'm excited to see how, how, uh, how much I'll be playing Splatoon 2, because I've already, I've already pre-ordered it. Um, I'm going to be playing a little bit of that. Um, I'm also interested in seeing, uh, and I just forgot what I was about to say. I'm also interested in, in seeing, and, uh, yep, it's gone. Well, that's too bad, isn't it? Happens Guess to you the won't best be of us. seeing it. Uh oh man. Wow. <laughs> uh Splatfest, no, pre ordered, no. Wow. That's so upsetting. It was a good point too. Was it the voice chat? No, it was not the voice it had nothing to do with the voice chat. Oh, I'm interested in because when I played it I wasn't even though I was playing against other people, I w- it wasn't I wasn't nearly as competitive as I was when I was playing arms. Like it it felt like a much more casual thing rather than like a one on one like fight. Um, in in the way that arms is, so I'll be interested to see if I actually end up playing Splatoon a bit more than I do arms because it's it's more competitive and I'm not sort of raging. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Zach wouldn't know anything about that because he's never experienced my levels of salt. Uh, but there, there it is. Yeah, they they exist. Keep they in do. mind, keep in they mind, Splatoon does at least Splatoon one did have a competitive mode in it. It did Are have a competitive. It did have a competitive mode. The thing is that, like, I don't feel the need. Like Splatfest is like is is competitive enough to the point where i'm like yeah i want to choose a team and i want to fight for my team but it's i'm not being ranked like i personally am not being ranked and don't feel like i need to win in order to like show my self-worth so like that i think there's a significant difference there as opposed to uh something like a competitive uh like a ranked uh match in arms or something like that which is incidentally is why I enjoy the uh, the free mode like party sort of uh, multiplayer ver- uh, mode in Arms better than than I do the actual one v one competitive uh, mode. So yeah. Any other games, or do you want to head on to the next thing? Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. yeah. Besides GTA. 
Yeah, of, of oh, course. Yeah, I we, forgot about GTA. Yeah. You know, we hop onto GTA. We uh, uh, we've been doing a few of the uh, stunt races and things like that, which are always a lot of fun. None of us have enough money to play the gun running update. <laughs> so <laughs> so poor. We, we need, need to build need it to, up and yeah, exactly. Cool we need to do more somehow. stunt races. Is basically <laughs> yeah. Basically, I gotta say, yeah. stunt races are probably the most fun I had in that game. To be honest, they're a good time. Fun. Yeah. They're surprisingly very fun, yeah. Yeah. Alright, so our first I guess our first order of business lies with uh the Atari box. There was a lot of news. It's not even been a week since our last podcast, and there's a good amount of stuff to discuss. But uh within the last couple days, uh and this the the day of record oh wow. Scratch that. Literally today, earlier today. Um, the look of the Atari box was announced. So the Atari box is this mysterious thing that was announced by Atari uh, around E3 2017 time, just a few weeks ago. And now there are the first, uh, the, the first sort of glimpses at the Atari box itself. Um, we're not even sure if it's called the Atari box, if I understand correctly, but, uh, it looks pretty cool. It's very sleek. There's a sort of more classic look. It's got uh, the fake wood paneling like the Atari 2600 had. Um, and there's one that's just plain black. It looks very modern. It has a red Atari logo. It looks pretty cool. Um, I prefer the uh, the older version. With yeah, the I, I actually, yeah. Paneling. yeah. I, I also prefer the, the wood paneling as well. But, uh, and that's all, that's all we really know about that. Uh, we don't know what it does yet. We don't know what we know that it has uh, a couple USB ports. Uh, it has uh, a a uh, HDMI in and out. It's got four USB ports, an HDMI port, and an SD card slot, and a place to plug in a network cable. And no one knows what it does. So, I guess my question to the both of you guys a few a couple questions um are you at all interested in the atari box do you think there's a market for that kind of thing in the same way that there was a market for the nes and snes uh classics uh what do you expect this box to be doing um i guess First of all, I'm not sure if we know whether or not if it's actually going to play like retro Atari games on it. Um, the first thing I thought of actually when I saw this was, is this like one of those NVIDIA Android TV things, I guess, is what I was thinking. Um, I think design-wise, I love the way of the wood panel. I love the way the wood paneling works on that one. Um, my... I've always enjoyed, like, looking at the history of game consoles and, like, I think one of my favorite designs in terms of the really old consoles was the Atari 2600 just because of how, for lack of a better word, like, retro it felt. Um, just because wood paneling is, like, kind of was its own era. Um, as far as what I think it would do, my original guess was it might have been, like, some sort of Android console. Um, but it could be one of those retro 50 in one consoles too. 
Um, but then again, I'm not quite sure why there would be an Ethernet slot. But then again, maybe they're going to have a marketplace for it. I'm not quite sure yet. I I hope it's good. Um, Atari, at least in my book, has not had a very good track record of recent games. I don't know if Atari developed the new Roller Coaster Tycoon or not. Maybe they didn't. But... Um, They've, I've I've heard they've been struggling for a while. I'm kind of surprised they had enough money to risk putting a new console out there to begin with. Um, but once we get more details, I'd be happy to talk about it more. But I think my impression is, overall, I think, at least uh, my prediction right now is maybe this is like some sort of um, Android set-top box. But yeah, that's that's those are my thoughts. Apparently, reading into these uh, these comments here in this article, the the editor or the author of this article says they're also it's also going to be crowdfunded, um, which is interesting. I don't I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. Crowdfunding for the Atari box. Um. Do you guys have any idea what that would mean? There would be going on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Is that what they would be doing? I'm not quite sure Mm -hmm. about that, which if that is the case, has a console from a major publisher ever been crowdfunded like that? I remember like Shenmue was crowdfunded, but I, if I, if I remember correctly, uh, there were, the like like you said Zach android based consoles that were crowdfunded like the Ouya I think was uh crowdfunded or it was bought by Amazon or something like that but um uh otherwise other than that uh no of course of course there's not been a a major console like or a major uh, publisher developer game company whatever you would like to call Atari uh, that has done such a thing. They've all been little people like you or me that that have crowdfunded something boxes consoles like this. Do you think it would be possible that the like if the classic games come already like loaded onto the console, and so that's why there's no need for uh, like a cartridge or any kind of CD slot or anything like that. Mm-hmm. My my when. When Atari announced that they were doing another console uh, last in the last few weeks, my first thought was that they were doing something akin to what Nintendo did with the NES and are do- going to be doing in the future with the Super Nintendo Classic Editions with games preloaded on it. So I wouldn't... It, 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 it would make sense to me that they would be publishing, like republishing their their old like classic games on this thing there's not been a good track record for android based consoles there's been two or three of them of note and i can't think of them other than the ouya and so i i don't know why atari would think oh we're atari we can we're gonna be able to do this now unless they're putting their own classic games on it and hoping that people will will buy it otherwise it's very possible they may have 
some new games lined up. Who kn- no one knows what this does yet. There's no um, there are no details. Yeah, there there are literally no details whatsoever. Zach made a wonderful point that it has an Ethernet cable, um, and it it probably has some kind of uh, downloading you know download compatibilities, unlike the NES or Super NES classics. Um, but yeah, we don't we don't really know much about it. I can guarantee that Netflix will be on it. I was just about to ask, do you think Netflix is going to be on it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most likely. Netflix is everywhere. I think it's still on the 3DS, too. Netflix is not on the Switch. Okay, well, yeah, it, it's not on that yet. <laughs> I think I think they made this announcement today, because I think, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, um, I... I'll put this in the eat my words section next week if I figure out it's wrong. <laughs> but... Um, I think today is the 40th anniversary of um, Nintendo and Atari actually publishing video games. I I say publishing video games because I know Hitler. Oh, whoa, whoa, where did that come? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> whoa, I had a Vsauce. Okay, you know I, Hitler. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> oh my god, I am so sorry. I have no idea why that popped up. <laughs> I think I was thinking... So what happened was, in my head... I was about to say... I was about to say... Um, Nintendo, the company, started in around 18-something. And for some reason, in my head, while I was saying that... I thought of this Vsauce video that said Hitler was born on the same day that Nintendo as a company was founded. So for some reason I said I n- something about Hitler. And I said, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> wow. Oh man. I meant to say that Nintendo is hundreds of years old as a company. And yes. for some reason that stupid Vsauce fact um popped into my head. I'm starting beef with Vsauce on this episode of the podcast. We're breaking so many so many so much ground today. Well we, yeah, we got some it. YouTube drama going on today. Yeah, already. <laughs> Alright, we're on our fourth episode. Already starting the drama. <laughs> put JK your put your Mike. dukes up, Vsauce. We're coming <laughs> for you. JK Mike, I love you. Give me the Give me the jack in the box with you inside of it. Oh my god. They had a jack in a box with um you would do it. Mike in the box? Yeah, it's a mic in the box, and when you cranked it, it Vsauce would pop up and it would say, Hey, Vsauce, Michael here. (laughs) That's why never mind. Never mind. It was a fan made creation. It actually he didn't make it. It was a fan made creation. That's I well, whatever. For the record, um, I apologize about that blurb. I did not. <laughs> I really did not mean it. <laughs> oh my god! All right, classic. That's that was my. Did Mister Pelopo like or anybody? <laughs> yeah, I'm classic, sorry. classic like Atari. Well done. Oh man. Any other thoughts about the Atari box, guys? Um. No, I think I think that's it on my end. Uh, in the end, I'll be interested to see what what this will be. That's that's really all I can say about that. Uh, for me personally, I don't really care. <laughs> Good. 
Good. <laughs> now, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of things I don't care about, Overwatch. <laughs> the thing the thing is that when Zach and I started coming up with this podcast, he Zach joked, "Hey, we should have an Overwatch segment every time in the podcast." And in the last like two podcasts we've talked about overwatch so i think this is actually unintentionally coming true yep <laughs> but, but I, I think he's memeing it into existence possibly but last week we talked about overwatch league and about uh how there are major uh major players uh buying up overwatch uh teams all over the world uh within the last couple days possibly even today uh yep today Good old Michael Pactor, uh, put put a little put a, put a little bit of a of a downward spin on uh, on the whole Overwatch League thing. For those of you who do not know, Michael Pactor is one of the only people in the world who analyzes the video games industry and gives uh, anyone who hires him, usually large companies who are interested in investing in games companies uh, or games technology or things like that. He is the one, one again, one of the only people in the world who gives them advice on what to and what not to invest in at any given time. Um, so he is something of a of an icon in, in the gaming in the gaming world. Um, but he is also something of of an outspoken cynic. Uh, and very uh, business uh, oriented. Um, so take pretty much everything you, uh, you you hear from him with a grain of salt. Um, sometimes he's spot on, sometimes he's way off, um, but he will almost always irritate someone with something he said. <laughs> so <laughs> so recently he was interviewed by gamesindustry.biz um, and and uh, he gives a nice little uh, excerpt here. Uh, would any of you guys like to read it, or should I read? Uh, could you go ahead and read it? Yeah. There's a good uh, maybe two or three paragraphs that I will be reading here, so please try not to get bored, and I'm sorry if you do. This is a quote from Michael Pactor. Quote, In our view, he's speaking for the company there, Overwatch is difficult to watch, and its paywall, the game's starting price is $40 on PC, limits its addressable market significantly, especially compared to free-to-play leaders League of Legends, Dota 2, and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. End quote. The article goes on. Despite its popularity, Overwatch boasts a global player base of 30 million, compared to League of Legends' 100 million active players as of last September. As for it being difficult to watch, Pactor noted that the game's frenetic 6-on-6 first-person shooter action and diversity of character abilities make it less approachable for newcomers who benefit from League of Legends' top-down view or Counter-Strike's straightforward gameplay concept where players who die are out of the match for good. Pactor also said Wedbush, that is the company, believes, quote, investors are overly optimistic about the revenue and profit potential for esports, end quote, saying teams will need considerable budgets for a roster of up to 10 players with salaries reaching six figures and potentially some in seven-figure range, and proper support expenses for housing, trainers, meals, and travel on top of that. 
and that's only if the league is allowed to implement the sort of salary cap constraints traditional pro sports leagues have been allowed. Quote Pactor, Unlike traditional sports, which are provided an antitrust exemption in the U.S., it is not clear that the out that the uh, Overwatch League he uh, is uh, shortened to Owl here, O W L, will be able to enforce its plans to draft players and limit salaries paid by team owners. End quote. Pactor said, quote, "The major sports leagues in the U.S. are allowed to quote to." air quotes here, collude with one another to some extent in order to limit player salaries. It is not clear that Overwatch League will be subject to such an exemption, suggesting to us that a determined owner with a large pocketbook may be able to capture the world's best players by guaranteeing large salaries. In particular, it is not clear to us that the international Overwatch League teams in China and Korea will be subject to U.S. laws whatsoever, and it is not clear that without an exemption, Activision Blizzard will be legally permitted to regulate the salaries and soft salary caps it intends to enforce with its league. Pactor also expects prize pools to wipe out much of the earnings potential of running live events. For example, a $2 million prize pool would soak up the gate from a 20,000-seat arena sold out at $100 per ticket, leaving much of the earnings potential down to concessions, merchandise sales, sponsorships, and advertising. Quote Pactor, The problem with monetization through advertising is overcoming the huge first-mover advantage owned by Amazon's Twitch service. Twitch is the ESPN of esports, and we estimate that Twitch captures over 50% of all esports eyeballs. In order for the Overwatch League to develop its own audience, it must attract viewers who currently spend the bulk of their time viewing on Twitch. We do not believe that this will be an easy obstacle to overcome. End quote. So, that's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> uh, he talks about uh, real, like, real, real, uh, industry things that i i mentioned last week uh that as far as esports we still have a lot of room to grow esports has has an incredible uh incredible amount of growth for how much how popular it's it's becoming and how much it's being adopted tyler and i were at dave and buster's literally last night and we were watching (laughs) evo we were watching street fighter 5 on espn (laughs) yep it's Um, true considering at a bar at a bar <laughs> um it's it's i feel like as far as pactor's point on uh things and as, as things like salaries um that's definitely something that esports has to think about it's something that i who am, am never have have almost never been that invested into traditional sports generally has ever ever even thought about has ever even known about until Pactor brought it up in this article. Um, it does seem like something of a concern. Uh, however, uh, the the other parts about the game itself, and this is where I tend to disagree with Pactor, and a lot of gamers tend to dis- disagree with Pactor when he actually starts talking about the games themselves <laughs> um, <laughs> and not the industry. Yeah. Um, is that I, I I don't know, I always felt that something like League of Legends or Dota 2 is is much more difficult to to understand what's going on than something like Overwatch. Which I completely is, you know, agree. Which is yeah. something Yeah, I agree with that yeah. totally. So 
I once again take take things with a grain of salt. Um, I'm I'm interested in seeing, hearing what you guys have to say about this. Hearing, uh, uh, if if there's any kind of, basically, what 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 do you think is is on point? What do you think isn't on point? Um, do you have any criticisms or future concerns for Overwatch League or for Pactor? Um, I I wanted to ask something real quick. Um, I always remember hearing about a guy who always says some pretty crazy things about the game industry, and I did a Google search, and it was this person yes. <laughs> that ended up saying up uh, saying all these things. Uh, my question is, was he the same person that said something along the lines of Nintendo needs to discontinue the Wii U and become a third-party publisher uh, for the PS4 and Xbox? Yes, was he yes, the same that is exactly that the that? same person, yes. Um, then if that <laughs> is the case, I, I, I get he has some valid points here, but for me, he seems like, I don't know, his advice seems... <laughs> At least to me, he said quite a few things that are very, um, for lack of a better word, wrong. <laughs> and I can't really think of a better word because obviously, not he necessarily. Has a to think he of it. he as a as a business analyst, he is one hundred percent correct in saying that Nintendo would make more money by discontinuing the Wii U and being a third party publisher not, for Nintendo yeah. and Microsoft. The Wii U was like, I, I I guess let me back up for a bit. I guess he's. He's saying things that Nintendo would obviously never do, at least mm-hmm. in my eyes, because Nintendo wants, at least to me, wanted to make hardware and stuff. The Wii U, by far, yeah, was a huge failure. Um, but I guess going back to this topic here, he definitely missed the mark on like, I mean, he meant did he? He mentions League as if like. The objective is easy to understand. The core objective of taking the Nexus, yeah, that's an easy to understand understand concept. But everything like the micro, the micro action, like looking at all the things that lead up to that, are definitely way more complex than than I think he under than he realizes. I mean, I've been playing League for three years and I still don't understand everything about that game. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a lot more characters. And also, yeah, there's like, what, 120 characters in the game? Like 130 <laughs> now, yeah. 130? Jesus. Um, so, the, there's, all those characters have different rule sets. It's a really complicated game. I think that, um, I also wanted to ask another question. How well received was the, was uh, Street Fighter at the bar at um, David Buster's, actually? It was on two it, it was it was on two uh uh what's the word i'm looking for there there were two tv screens on our side of the bar that were uh playing two different things at some point street fighter was the only was what, what was playing on both screens and then across from the bar in both of the private um uh rooms that like you, were yeah, executive board were the the, stuff, the, yeah, yeah. the board rooms that were Unrent, not rented. They were not being used. Uh, Street Fighter was playing in both of those. So I'm assuming that uh, at least the person who was at the bar controlling the TV was very interested in watching Street Fighter. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about this yesterday. I think that 
I think that fighting games, at least in terms of, like, acceptance by a normal, for again, lack of a better word, for a normie audience, oh my God. is, like, I think a fighting game makes a ton of sense, just because, like, we already have, like, fights in real life, you know, like, boxing, UFC, that sort of thing. Like, us versus, um, versus, uh... Uh nope, the joke's gone. Sorry. <laughs> Rip. Again. Um, just cut that. Just cut that. <laughs> We're leaving it in. We're doing it live, guys. Um, so anyway. Like I us thought versus that's Vsauce. Something... There's the joke. Us there's versus Vsauce. Yeah. Now it has to stay in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it does. <laughs> oh god, I st- Oh god, I feel awful about that. Anyway, it's nine oh two PM. i don't know why i'm laughing going back to this point i thought that um fighting games at least for a normal audience that does not play video games they make a lot of sense because we already have a real sport that's pretty much similar to that i can't think of a normal sport that is like league in any way so seeing that is like really hard for like non-gamers to watch i guess is what i'm trying to say but i think overwatch is a lot more simpler than um league is i think um csgo is also pretty fun to watch too but then i it's because i know shooters i don't necessarily know if that is something also that's easily understood by a general audience i think it is Uh, i think it is it's pretty simply simple yeah, the complicated things from CS:GO don't necessarily come from uh, the objective. It's it comes from like a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, but you don't necessarily need to pay attention to. At least as an audience member, mm-hmm. as an esports person, definitely like the economy of the guns and like how much money you think the other team has based on how many kills this person got, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but I I think Overwatch League, I mean. I don't know if I I would assume most of their funding right now is from Blizzard itself. Um as far as profitability goes, I don't disagree with him that probably Overwatch League is not going to be profitable for quite a while because it's so new and like an untested concept and basic at least as far as I'm concerned, Overwatch League is kind of a first of its kind. It's trying to like sort of redefine uh, the esports practices that have been set up by Riot in a lot of cases. Um, so, I, I, I don't agree about like his perception of the his perception of the game per se, but I do agree that Overwatch League is probably not going to be profitable for quite a while. Um, but I think that Blizzard probably knows that too. I, I don't think that they went into this knowing that it uh it would not be or not knowing that it would not be profitable for maybe a few years or something like that. I think that they probably knew that. Yeah, I wouldn't Those be are surprised either if if they if they came into it knowing it. Um but I feel like they really have tried to set up Overwatch from the beginning as a competitive game and something that they can kind of set up to do tournaments and and just be kind of a an esport, if you will. Um, 
Uh, so I, th- I feel like that was always their plan with Overwatch, besides making, you know, a fun game. Um, but <laughs> as far as Michael uh, Pactor goes, um, I completely agree that I think Overwatch is a lot more simple than MOBAs, um, just as far as character diversity and number of characters and just uh, objectives. Um, I think wa- watching a game like Overwatch is a lot easier to understand for someone who doesn't really uh, quite get the the ins and outs of, of video games. Um, I, I completely un- I agree with his paywall point. Um, Overwatch does cost money while those other MOBAs don't. Um, Dota 2 does... Uh, I mean, all of them you have to work to, to buy the characters in, but... Um, there is a, a less of an audience. I would I would agree with that, but maybe they don't need as as large of an audience. Um, let's see what else does he uh, say here. The whole antitrust exemption is an interesting point. Um, I don't know too much about that, so I don't feel very. I don't I don't feel very comfortable talking about that too much. Um, so I think the biggest question that Blizzard faces is if they're going to switch, sorry, if they're going to stream the these tournaments and Overwatch League on Twitch, or if they're going to go through their own service or that weird MLG.TV. Um, because um, Twitch, I mean, obviously, uh, Twitch is huge, like, Twitch is ginormous, and if they decide to go with something besides Twitch, then um, they're, they're, I think they're probably going to face problems in that in that regard. But I'm interested to see how much of a spectator sport it is, more of like a, a the live version of it. Um, I'm interested to see if they're going to do something like uh, like how they do in League of Legends and all the other MOBAs, where uh, they kind of set it up in a in an arena. Um, I, I'm just honestly really interested to see how, how they go about setting the standards for everything and, and uh, what they choose to do. Um, but obviously the, the people investing the money thinks that, uh, that it's a wise investment um, and they think that there's money to be made. So it's really the only thing to do is, is wait and see uh, what, where it goes and what happens. Just to answer your question, uh, Tyler, I did some checking right now on the Play Overwatch website, so they are hosting the Overwatch League stuff on Twitch, on their official Overwatch channel on Twitch. Okay. So that's what they're doing for that. Yeah, and I think that's probably the, the smartest move, because um, I don't know if you can beat the, the monster that is Twitch. I mean, did you have any other thoughts on that, Chris? Uh, not, not necessarily. I think we actually covered that very well. Yeah. Oh, there's one other point I would like to make, and that's as far as the prize pool and, um, kind of profitability. Um, they don't necessarily have to pay out the prize pool from their own pockets. Um, they could do something like, uh, Steam does and have it be like a donation thing for Dota, um have it be crowdfunded or whatever i don't know if that's the right term to use there but um it, it, it's there are other options for that 
um because dota uh they don't pay it out of their pocket it's all it's all from the community mm-hmm. am i wrong in am i wrong in thinking that uh sponsors also put up money for the prize pool or is, is that crazy i think i think you're right i think you're right about that as well yeah. i i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure on that but i do think you're right it wouldn't surprise me if they did yeah. i could i could imagine like a special overwatch league like loot box or something or like loot box pack or something like that right that people would yeah. be happy to pay for Exactly. I think people have found that there's actually like Overwatch League sprays that are being data mined right now, I think. And so like if you attend the event in person, you get like this sort of spray or like, oh, I went to the Sydney Invitational or mm-hmm. something like that. They could you can even, even you can even thing. sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Tyler. No, they even do a thing where like all loot boxes bought through like from December to January go towards the prize pool or something like that. Um, it's there, there are a lot of options for, for that and other ways around it. And I'm pretty sure blizzard is actually considered a lot of this already too. Oh yeah. Of course. Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would imagine that even the people buying the overwatch teams have been considering all of this. They've probably, they've very likely even considered the fact that their teams may not be profitable to them. The first, the first few years, I bet, like, it seems I bet like they're planning on it. Yeah, yeah, it seems like they're doing a, they're gonna have like a reap what you sow moment later on. I guess that's what they're banking on. <laughs> the harvest much. time, ideally, it's it's always very hard to bet against Blizzard. It, it is. Uh, <laughs> it so, really is. So, uh, yeah, it's. But if you ask me, it's always interesting to hear what Michael Pactor has to say. I think he's a very controversial, but very, yes. uh, very, very uh, interestingly informed voice in the yeah. uh, in the in the gaming. <laughs> it's a good way to put sphere. it. Interestingly, he's informed in like the business aspect, but as far as the games go, it, you can tell that he's not really informed. In that, sure, he that plays. Department. He plays these games. He. He loves to play games, but I I I don't know where he gets these views of like the layman. I uh, he's he's possibly giving the view of an investor who is potentially even further away from the layman who like right is at least marginally interested in video games. But I don't know. I I'd love to sit down with him sometime and give and uh just, just hear what he has to say. Ask him some questions, Michael Pactor. <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> come on to the podcast. That, that'd be really cool. Vsauce, <laughs> get the, get the hell out of here. Um, so, no, if Vsauce wanted to go on the podcast, I wouldn't stop him from coming on. The I podcast. would not stop him either. That'd be super awesome. <laughs> that'd be so so cool. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Next week we've got Michael from Vsauce, and the week after we've got Michael Pactor. After Michael Pactor, yeah, you've got Michael. We're gonna roll Jordan. out. We're gonna. <laughs> but where does the word Michael come from? Oh, Speaking man. of fighting games and esports, <laughs> the the famous Super Smash Brothers modders who have made uh, Project M for a a well known mod for Super Smash Brothers Melee 
or rather Super Smash Brothers Brawl to closely resemble Melee, um, are coming out with their own free-to-play PC fighting game entitled Icons Combat <laughs> Arena. There was an official gameplay trailer released uh, today, and it looks awful. <laughs> it's very poorly, very poorly received too. And I have to full disclosure: I I was one of those people who pushed the dislike button on that video. <laughs> Fantastic! The gameplay looks like a like carbon copy of Smash. So. Do you have any thoughts, Chris, or it's all right if I talk about this? Real quick? Please go ahead. You're probably going to cover everything I'm going to say anyway. <laughs> oh, boy. So, my here's my problem with this. Lack of originality, oh, I yeah. think, is the hugest problem with that. And I was looking at the comments. Most of the comments are like, man, the art style sucks. The sounds suck, which they do, let's be frank. Um, but... My issue with this is that I would hope that when you make a game, you in- you take inspiration from it and not make a carbon copy of it. <coughs> Paladins. Um, but <laughs> here's the thing. This game literally looks like Melee. Like, it doesn't look inspired at all. I can totally tell that one of those characters is Fox. I can totally tell that one of those characters is Captain Falcon. The Marth ripoff, though, I think is the most egregious thing ever that, that woman? I've ever seen. Yeah, hold on. I, I'm going on their website. I'm going on their website <laughs> to figure out what they decided to name this. Uh, sorry, I'm breaking protocol for the keyboard thing. My here, favorite, but I just had to see this. My favorite was the uh, was the guy who looked like Ganondorf and did like one of those one of those big punches and like hit 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 the, hit the other character off the screen towards the end of the trailer. Oh my, man, that was good. My, my favorite was the weird like female orc lady. That's like Ganondorf, yeah. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> so good. Okay, so this character, uh, Zerong, the Empress, the fifth fighter revealed for Icon's combat arena. Zerong is an expert swords, swords woman and ruler of an ancient empire. After being forced to battle her brother over competing, uh, over their competing claims to the throne, Zerong is merciless when it comes to consolidating her power uh check back here next week for gameplay and uh she first of all she looks like a league of legends character (laughs) second of all her animations are literal carbon copies of marth from smash brothers and i'm uh prediction here folks she's gonna have the tip mechanic (laughs) <laughs> just oh like yeah Martha. you're 100 cor- percent correct there, she's definitely gonna have it i i hate saying this but i hate this game already and i only saw <laughs> saw one thing of it there was one original character idea and that character was pretty cool he has like a gun that you can aim and it reflects the projectile off the stage but every single character you've hmm. seen here is literally a carbon copy of a smash brothers character and if you go into the, <laughs> my favorite comment here is, uh, Pro- Project M died for this. It's like the top comment <laughs> of the video. <laughs> oh, God. Those are my thoughts. Other thoughts, guys? I feel like, um, was Project M, 
Pro- was Project M uh did did it receive a cease and desist or was it did it stop? Yes, it did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. This makes a little bit more sense to me. Like if you can't mod a game that you love, then remake the game that you love. <laughs> like that doesn't mean I'm going to like it though. <laughs> no, of course not. It 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 I don't know. It, it makes a little bit more sense on the developer's part to be like, we've spent a lot of time doing this. We still have a lot of this, a lot of this data that we have collected and created ourselves. Why not just remake it with another skin? It looks bad, <laughs> and it's it it's, does look bad. It's frustrating that the developers of Project M would not try to do something a little bit more original. But I think considering the circumstances, it it makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, I think... I think you guys covered that pretty well. I think think it looks exactly... it, It looks so similar. It's ridiculous. Um... Yeah, well, no, this... I, I, I can't say anything good about that. Yeah. Will this? Do you think this will be popular in any way, or will it just be the no. same people who do Project M just playing pro- playing this again? Like, why play this when you can play Smash? Because you don't own an Nintendo because, console. Because this apparently, like, the point of Project M, right, is to give is is to give uh, what 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 was it? Brawl the mechanics of melee like it has the polish of brawl but it has the mechanics of melee right you there's there's no other game that does that and that's why if if you're some crazy hardcore you know project m fan that's why you would be turning to this i guess so yeah but otherwise you know it 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 seems like it's created for the people it was created for and sort of forget everyone else forget the consequences <laughs> you know i i yeah. i don't know if i'm I, I think considering for me personally considering the circumstances i'm not disappointed in what they showed so much as there was a lack of ambition creating their own game um yeah, that's and that's that's where I land on that. It's funny because I'm reading the comments on GameStop and they're all positive. They're all like, can we bring this to consoles, please? And they're like, this will be like the League of Legends for Smash Brothers. Oh, God. <laughs> you see, people are already positive about it. People already love it. Who that's knows? Seven comments on GameStop. Though. <laughs> Who knows what could happen? It's a crazy world. Michael Pactor could be correct. Who knows? Hopefully not. I hope now, Overwatch I really does don't want well. What he said to be true, to be honest. Yeah. Speaking of ambition, <laughs> one incredibly <laughs> ambitious game. You love these segues, don't you? I'm Indeed, very good the at them. Segues. Are... <laughs> one incredibly ambitious game, a conclusion to a saga. Some might say. Uh, has been given 
a little bit of a, a little bit of a teaser, a little bit of a little teaser there. <laughs> um, Kingdom Hearts three has was was given uh, a nice little little trailer revealing Toy Story World and yes, revealing a release year, not a full release date, unfortunately, but a release year of 2018. Zach, you're, you are our expert on this. Yeah. Please go ahead. So, the Kingdom Hearts uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 um, is notorious for... It, it's been quote-unquote in development for over 10 years. It's Although, looking into the game's development history, that's not necessarily true. Um, basically... Kingdom Hearts 3 is set to be the final game of the Xehanort saga of Kingdom Hearts. So this is not the last Kingdom Hearts game, but it's the last one in this overarching Xehanort saga. Um, In this particular trailer, they reveal that Toy Story um, is one of the new worlds that is going to be added into the game. Um, We've already gotten confirmation of several worlds. We know that Tangled is going to be in it. We know that Big Hero 6 is going to be in it. Um, but I think this is the first world that they announced and actually showed gameplay of it. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. Well, I mean, it has to be obvious because this is like a next gen Kingdom Hearts game. They changed up the engine and the art style for this game. Um, it, it looks good. Um, the folks over at Square Enix have done a pretty good job for the past Kingdom Hearts games to, like, make 3D versions of the Disney characters and not make them look awful. Um, but, uh, I originally didn't really know what to think about, like, this new art style, particularly when it came to seeing, like, traditionally 2D animated characters, like, in, uh, one of the trailers we saw Hades again from the Olympus Coliseum world, which is Hercules, and he looks kind of weird, but also kind of okay in it. But this engine for Toy Story, it looks so perfect. It looks almost exactly like the movie. It's kind of scary, actually. Um, and basically, now that we know that there's a Pixar world inside of Kingdom Hearts, it kind of opens the floodgates because we could get like Bugs Life, we could get Wally, um, we could get cars, although I hope not that one, because that yeah, Sora is a car. Yes, <laughs> Sora I want turns that. into a car. Um, but uh, some I wanted to touch on some mechanics that I thought were interesting uh, within the trailer. Uh, I don't know if any of you in the audience have played the previous Kingdom Hearts game, but usually in those games, whenever you visit a new world and they have like an extra party member that can join your party. Usually what happens is there's two other party members that can join you. So it's Sora, Donald, and Goofy, or it could be Sora, Donald, and Hercules, or something like that. In this game, it looks like they've thrown that out the window, and now what you can do is Sora, Donald and Goofy are always with you, and you can have... I don't know if there's a theoretical maximum amount of characters, but they showed specifically in the Toy Story one that Buzz and Woody are going to be party characters and they're always with you. So it's basically like you're fighting with five CPU characters, but um, usually they're pretty dumb anyway, so <laughs> I don't pay attention to that. But I think um, as far as like just having... Because that was one of my complaints is like if you want to fight alongside your favorite Disney characters... I don't want to have to, like, sacrifice, like, one of my slots or, like, lose experience and whatnot. Uh, because 
there's another character and whatnot. Um, so I thought that was really cool. There's a lot of really awesome combo moves where, like, you get a gun, your Keyblade turns into a gun, and you shoot everybody. You could do tons of airdrops and combos that do AoE damage. You can possess certain enemies or certain Heartless that are, like... The example they gave was, like, in the toy store, once you go in there, there's Heartless that are basically, like, Transformers robots, but there's, like, an empty cockpit in their chest... And so what you could do is you can open the chest cavity, go inside the Heartless, and, like, it's almost like you're riding a mech and, like, shooting everything. Um, uh, do any of you guys care about Kingdom Hearts spoilers at all? No. Because the story is so nonsensical uh, anyway. I do matter. not, but once again, for anyone listening, Kingdom Hearts spoilers ahead. Kingdom Hearts spoilers. Okay. Um... I'm pretty sure that a character that quote-unquote died is back again, which makes me super concerned already for the story. <laughs> and, I mean, let's be real here. The The story's been screwed for a while now, and when they introduced time travel in 3D, that was probably the dumbest thing <laughs> I've ever seen. It's like, nothing makes sense in that anymore. But, uh, spoilers over. Um, anyway... I thought that the gameplay portion of the trailer was really amazing. There was something really annoying in the beginning, though, where they were having, like, this overlaying text, and they're saying, like, the dream is not a nightmare. The first (laughs) minute of that trailer made me want to blow my brains out. Jeez. (laughs) It reminds me of, like, those stock video things that you buy, and they have, like, the watermark on it. I don't know what they were thinking with that, but they really did not hit the mark. But at that section, that sucked. But as soon as, like, that ended, Seems... and then the Toy Story part started, I was like, oh, this is cool. The rain I, is I, gone. I... The rain. <laughs> I can actually see what's happening. Yeah. Um, mechanically, I think Kingdom Hearts 3 uh, is going to be a pretty amazing game. It seems like they're drawing ideas from, uh, like, having command styles and Birth by Sleep but they're going back to the traditional combat system of 1 and 2. It also looks like that... uh, Well, they confirmed it. It's coming out in 2018. I was afraid that it would get delayed again, but I actually did some research, and it turns out that Tetsu Nomura, uh, he... When he's developing a game, it usually doesn't go late. So, at least within a year, maybe. I don't know if that's true, although I don't remember if Final Fantasy XV was delayed or not. But, um... Well, Final Fantasy XV was a lot of different things before it was Final Fantasy XV, so... It was, it's, a lo- it's a lot different, yeah. Um, but those those are my thoughts. I'm excited for Kingdom Hearts 3 still. I've been I've been waiting this for this game for well over ten years, so I think, um... Even if it were to be delayed, I honestly wouldn't care. Because at this point, I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> it's happening, at least. So, Kingdom Hearts is a franchise that's very important for a lot of people. Um, it's unfortunately not as important to me. Um, I played the first one. I played Chain of Memories. Um, I played a tiny bit of two. I just caught up on the story. Um, in two, and that's where I dropped off. Um, things got so complicated. If if you ask me, 
the Kingdom Hearts series went downhill immediately. Uh, Chain of Memories made things like I Kingdom Hearts the original game to me is this wonderful blend of like anime and Disney and then all of the subsequent games are just too much anime not enough Disney yeah I would <laughs> say that's a good solid complaint about those that series and it it just sort of soured the whole thing for me but finally seeing Kingdom Hearts 3 and knowing that it will be the end of this whole Xehanort saga very complex thing and knowing that it will be a, a, a good you know breath of relief sigh of relief for everyone who really is invested in the series is it's it's really cool to be able to just see people be so happy that this is finally going to come true and that we can see everything to its fruition um yeah as far as the actual game itself um it to me it looked beautiful um i stopped on those a few of those frames to just like look at the grass that they were that Sora was fighting all these heartless in it was just really cool um I was interested it, it, it was it was uh I was intrigued because uh Sora in the trailer jumps out onto the roof and then jumps out onto the lawn of Andy's house and out in the distance you can see the other houses I'm not sure if that's a skybox or if you can actually go out there but if you can go out there, that would be so cool. That would, that would be incredible. That'd be nuts. Um, so hopefully, uh, there's more of a seamless kind of uh, environment. I'm not. I'm not asking Kingdom Hearts to be an open world game, but uh, being able to move uh, through areas without a loading screen is, you know, a really cool. Uh, sort of underappreciated thing, especially when you're uh, continuing a franchise that's been going on for so long. So um, I'm I'm excited to see uh, people that are excited about Kingdom Hearts three and how they feel about it. I hope the end of the Xehanort saga, if they create another set of Kingdom Hearts games after that take place after that, that basically it's not so anime or. And I also hope that they don't do such a weird distribution of games on consoles for, like, not, like, all of the, one of the big problems of the series was that as soon as Chain of Memories happened, everybody assumed it was a spinoff, but it turns out that it was canon, and, like, there was actual important story elements in that game, but not everybody who had a PlayStation had a Game Boy. And then it went to the PS2 again for two, and then it it went to the DS, then the PSP, and then to the mobile phone yeah, market in Japan. Oh, huge it was it was it was mess. Huge, it was absolutely huge, awful. Huge mess if you're invested in that franchise. <laughs> yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Um, however, all of them are on PS4 now, I believe. In in some form. Yeah. In some form, yeah. Like the mobile yeah. games are turned into like short movies now and things like that. I believe, yeah, it's all available. Yeah. I think uh every story like got even weirder and weirder, like and by that I meant like it just adds like overall complexity and stuff. Um it becomes way too anime and it gets to the point where like in um I think in the mobile game where it's like Unchained Key or whatever 
it, there's like political intrigue where they actually have factions and like because it's supposed to be a mobile MMO action RPG. So it's like there's factions and oh, all of those so are weird. canon for some reason. And so it's like, uh, it was like, what the hell's going on? My hope is that after this saga wraps up, if they make any more games after this, that they just keep it Disney and not have so much uh, yeah. weeb trash. I, I'm, I'm all for <laughs> weeb trash nice meeting Disney Amen. because that's... <laughs> that's like weird and fun oh yeah that, i right. i just i just hope the 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 yeah all the anime square enix aspects of it don't overwhelm the disney aspects like they have been that could be that could be possibly be cured with three who knows like maybe it's a good balance again i i have no clue well the fact that they brought back a oh, spoiler alert the fact that they brought back a dead character though kind of concerns yeah, me in that aspect well, <laughs> yeah. Tyler any thoughts okay uh not really other than the first minute of that trailer was really really <laughs> it bad. was yeah <laughs> I I've never really played Kingdom Hearts I don't I don't I don't really I don't really okay. think anything about it that's so. fair enough speaking of sagas that will be ending yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. Things, things, all things must come to a close, and very soon, if not effective, immediately, uh, the new Nintendo 3DS will be ceasing production worldwide. This is not, of course, the original. This is not all Nintendo 3DS products. This is simply the the skinny new Nintendo 3DS. Uh, the XL will continue to be produced. Uh, the Nintendo 2DS is still in production. Um, uh, I don't know if they're still making the uh, the 3DS that's like just one piece and it doesn't fold over. Oh, that is the normal 2DS. Okay. The 2DS XL is the one that's is, coming Is out. the one that's folding over? Okay, gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that's folding the, over. The 2DS line is still coming out. 3DS XLs are still being produced. Uh, but the original, the the, the good old n- new Nintendo 3DS is is gone. Is, has, is saying its final farewells. I don't think it's shipped outside of Japan aside from the Animal Crossing uh, bundle that they had, the Happy Home Designer bundle that they had over in the U.S. I think it's mainly been in Japan, at least for this system, because most of it in the U.S. was like the new 3DS XL. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sad that it's being discontinued. But it's not really because I enjoy small handhelds like that. It's mainly because there were some ideas about the this small new 3DS in particular that I really enjoyed hardware-wise. Um, thinking about mainly the faceplates, they offered a ton of customization that <sighs> is just not available on the new 3DS XL. But I guess nobody was interested in that <laughs> because they're discontinuing it anyway. And that honestly kind of makes me sad. Um, it makes sense that they're getting rid of it. They're having a new 3DS family system coming out pretty soon, so they didn't probably want to cannibalize any of it. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. Sad about it. Doesn't surprise me. Um, 
Hope it's not a sign that the very, very end of the 3DS line of products is coming very soon because um, Reggie is still not giving me a Switch yet, so I can't have my 3DS be obsolete yet. Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> hey, what are you getting on that, Reggie? Reggie, I know you wa- I know Reggie's you a good friend of ours. He, but yeah, he's a, he's a <laughs> busy man. Listening. He's a busy man. He's you probably know. going to be on the next podcast at this rate. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's going to be he's going to be sitting next well, to Michael Pachter now after <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> they can settle their differences on the Nintendo should become a third yeah. party. Yeah. Development. <laughs> um, I own a. Nintendo 3DS XL. Um, it's a special Hyrule edition. It's nice and gold. It has... Um, oh, the, is it the new one? The Hyrulean Royal Crest on it. It's really cool. I love it. I don't want... It is very cool. ...a faceplate on it. Um, I did like the idea of a faceplate. Um, but I... I I don't know. I don't know if that kind of thing really caught on in general. I mean, if you think about it, um, cutting this specific 3DS product cuts actually quite a bit of products. Because faceplates, you would have to dedicate manufacturing resources to that too, right? Mm-hmm. So if that wasn't successful, this just cuts cuts a lot of the heads off of the Hydra, for lack of a sure. Phrase. No, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. understood. I bet they get third party to do that, though. They probably do. And also, you could probably 3D who knows? At this point, too. who knows what Nintendo actually produces and what doesn't. They're trying to make Switches. Yeah, that's true. They're trying to make NES Minis. They're trying to make SNES Minis. And everything's messed up. I'm just... I, I just hope that this is a sign that they will be able to... Uh, allocate more resources to producing more switches because Reggie needs I Reggie, really need Reggie one. needs to I give one to, to Zach. I've literally I've yeah. literally not bought Breath of the Wild on the Wii U because even though technically it runs better on the Wii U, I uh, having it on the go is just that much better for mm-hmm. me. I and also I want Fire Emblem Warriors, <laughs> goddamn. I have not run into any uh technical issues while playing breath of the wild uh in handheld mode while it's docked i have had a tiny bit of lag uh but that's that's it also just a side rant here come uh hey jeff kaplan i know you listen to this uh podcast do whatever you can to get overwatch on the switch that would be crazy oh god Make uh, he that he mentioned that they insane. were they were thinking about it at least it's I think point. I heard something about please, that. Please, it's not at the top of their priority, but they were Jeff, thinking about Jeff, it. Jeff, please try to make it uh, cross-platform multiplayer with the with PS4. That that, that would actually be, would be okay. awesome. Well, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I thought PS4 was being all butthurt about. <laughs> They're, they're being played with Minecraft, but hurt with uh, Microsoft. But who knows about Nintendo? Microsoft probably will be in on the party for cross-platform. Like, if they could do Breath of the Wild 
I know it's like not graphically the best thing ever. I I'm pretty sure that somehow they can get Overwatch on the Switch. Yeah. I don't see that as being too much of a thing aside from tuning the graphics down to maybe potato minus levels maybe. The when I first played Overwatch on my not gaming computer, um I had to it it was like running it off a potato. Every it was it was like if if you if you don't know what being like like what needing to wear glasses or contacts is like, just imagine like a camera out of focus, and you basically have the idea of of what what uh, needing to having poor eyesight is like. It it was like that. It pl- playing Overwatch <laughs> was like everything was blurry and like that. That character, that that <laughs> character looks like this. This like this blur of a character looks like Zenyatta. So I guess I'll shoot over this way. Like it, it was not good. The switch. What I'm saying is the switch is more powerful than the last computer that I had graphically. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it was just as bad as the computer. So I, I'm very confident that Overwatch can be put on a decent, uh, a port. On, yeah graphical on, setting on yeah i what switch. i, I th- it seems like it seems like such like a a not difficult decision to make i know that like with the switch i don't know if that would ever happen though. i don't know if it would either i'm saying that it would be a super amazing thing if that did happen though because yeah. that would not i don't know if that would make it necessarily a system seller but if i had overwatch on the go i probably would play it i'm not so so well tyler what would prevent overwatch from being on a switch um i don't know i just uh have nintendo and um and Blizzard ever done the anything? The Lost together? Vikings. At this point, nothing was <laughs> Blackthorn. Oh yeah, the Lost Vikings. No. <laughs> in in <laughs> like <Yeah>. ninety two. <laughs> what what about that RV or oh, yes, I love truck yes. racing game? The the yeah. Rock, yes. and Roll rock and roll truck racing. racing. Yes. The one game Blizzard does not want to <laughs> Of course, the <laughs> <to> classic. <laughs> <laughs> I the, I actually played that game and I thought it was funny that in the background the only they only have one song in the entire game and it's like this MIDI chip tune version of Highway Star. Oh my gosh! My <laughs> deep purple. That's amazing. Oh my god! <laughs> you got. We'll listen to that later after the podcast. Sorry, we got so off topic, but um, I wanted to still answer the question of what would hinder Blizzard from doing that because I know uh, quite a number of things that would do that. Um, console development oftentimes is very difficult. Um, whenever you have to do a lot of insane tricks, essentially, to pull off a ton of stuff in consoles because they're not as powerful as PCs. Um, they're more like PCs now, so it's easier now to develop for a console. But you have to literally do all these weird tricks to kind of squeeze every bit of power out of the console. So, yeah, they do have a port for the consoles now, but they would have to invest in, like, doing research on the architecture of the Nintendo Switch hardware-wise and kind of tweaking the code to be like that already. I've attended a few conferences about how the engine is structured, though, and it's very oriented towards efficiency. I don't think... It's impossible to do it, but I think knowing the 
knowing the priorities of the Blizzard team, they probably want to align themselves with maybe focusing on refining the PC product of Overwatch. Especially since, like, they got new characters coming out. They've released controversial patches that people are complaining about (laughs) all the time. And it's basically, they have to choose between, do I want to dedicate my time to fixing and appeasing the fans? Not, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Obviously, fans play an important part of a game. Um, But, like, trying to make the game more perfect... Or do they want to make another version of it on the console? Because it's, it's, I guess it's a risk, eh, is what I'm saying. So those are, I guess, the big issues of trying to port that over to the Nintendo Switch. I still think that it would be, well, <laughs> worth gotcha. the while of doing that, though, gotcha. to be honest. So back on topic here, <laughs> the uh, Tyler, did you have any thoughts about how the little new nintendo 3ds is canceling uh production on that um the only portable kind of handheld gaming device i've ever had was a game boy color um back when i was very young i used to play donkey kong on it and that was a lot of fun i had a lot of fun with that uh game boy color but um other than that i haven't played like any type of mobile portable uh, handheld gaming Besides, like, on my phone, maybe I'll do something. But um, it doesn't really impact me. Um, but it is it is uh, kind of sad to see, see it go. I'm glad they at least tried some ideas out, like with the faceplates and whatnot. Yeah. I... Yeah, they're trying something Nintendo's different. Nintendo's known for trying something yes. different. Yeah, you can't can't copy that think, one. Even though their consoles may not sell very well, I do appreciate the fact that they actually try new things. Um, whereas everything kind of stays the same with other competitors mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is that uh, even though Nintendo has been is has come across for many years as as trying out new things. Recently, we have found out that Nintendo may be caving a little bit. Mario Kart VR te- uh, demo a, a, has been seen in action. The, the official name is Mario Kart Arcade GP VR. Uh, currently, try saying that three times. As I fast. will not. Thank you very much. <laughs> is currently in the works. For Japanese arcades, there have been lots of uh, gifs going around of uh, like the stank eye from like different characters. My favorite one, my favorite one is this <laughs> close-up of Wario doing a trick in the air, and his trick is that he uh, hops up on his feet and like spins around with his fists out, and Yoshi uh, uh, like sort of. Uh, gets in the frame very close to Wario, but Wario has three bananas spinning around him, and Yoshi hits the bananas, but it looks like he's being punched by Wario as he's <laughs> as as uh, Wario is spinning. So that is so uh, it, yeah, funny. it was hilarious, but uh, it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, have you guys been able to uh, get yeah, a look at does. these videos? Not those videos specifically. I will say, though, that Mario Kart, um, I've been, I don't know if they have these at Dave & Buster's. I went to this place called, um, (laughs) 
God, I don't remember what it was. It was like an adult arcade. They had a Mario Kart uh, arcade machine. So if you've never played a Mario Kart arcade game, you're missing out. Those games are like insane. They're really cool. Um, they got. Uh, they also have a lot of crossover characters too. Like in the first arcade game, they had Pac-Man and like a few of the ghosts as actual playable characters because Bandai Namco helps out with the development for these games. But um, in the second arcade game, in addition to the Pac-Man characters, they actually had like a Tama- one of the Tamagotchi pets as a playable <laughs> character too. And um, they had a few of them actually, I think, as playable characters. And that was actually pretty crazy. Um, I don't know if they're going to have any crossovers for this one because it's, like, it's a first-person racing game. Um, it would not surprise me that I would... Uh, I really like this idea of a new Mario Kart VR arcade game. Um, I'm going to be looking up some of these things that <laughs> Chris mentioned uh, so we can transition over to Tyler's thoughts now. Yes, I, I just watched those videos um, right now. <clears throat> and it it looks like a lot of fun. It it really does. Um, uh, I think it they they it looks like they're sitting on. Um, I'm not sure if they move um, or have kind of a rumble effect, but they're sitting in these chairs and and not just chairs, but like full kind of uh, driver's seat type uh, structures. I don't I don't know what else to call them really, and. Um, you're strapped in with the HTC Vive, um, and it's it's just Mario Kart in in, in VR, and it, it looks really really fun. I also saw some other things there, like fishing and like some weird Kamehameha thing. I'm not I'm not sure what that was, but that was in the. I've video seen like too. this anime spaceship or Gundam thing too on here right now. Actually, I'm watching the video right now. Um, we should take note that this is uh for bandai namco's vr zone arcades in japan so this uh sizzler reel is probably for multiple games not just mario kart mario kart's the big yeah. news here yeah oh that would explain it that would explain so this yes. is only going vr to vr uh arcades are actually very very popular in japan um they're incredibly expensive and again like like i mentioned uh you may have caught it's a Bandai Namco VR arcade. Uh, they're because they're so expensive. They're usually uh, sponsored by or completely owned by large companies in Japan that are just sort of interested in in doing this kind of stuff. Um, I would I would not doubt if right. uh, um, Konami had some VR zones uh, because they are also very interested in in. Uh, uh, putting their products in in arcade settings in Japan, um, yeah, it just looks like a lot of fun. It does. I, yeah. I wish I. Could I wish play somebody it. here would just bite the bullet and make one of these arcades in L.A. or Las Vegas or something like yeah. that. They're they may be on the way. I yeah. I don't know if I would. Yeah, I, be I would surprised. not be surprised if there does exist at least a handful of these already um but they're definitely not common i'm it, yeah and like yeah. you said in, in an ideal world when vr becomes cheaper hopefully vr will be integrated better into more traditional arcades and things like that that would be really cool yeah 
That would be awesome. I would yeah. love to go to a VR arcade. That just sounds like a lot just, of fun. Uh, if the if they had this Mario Kart thing on it, I would probably literally be playing this game all day. I wonder what Rainbow Road's going to look oh like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Crazy. All right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Our final yeah. piece of news for this episode, I do not have a good segue for. <laughs> so I'm just going to go into it. If you wanna, if you wanna watch something that will make you feel like a squid, but also feel like a kid, uh, that that might be what? in the near future, mm-hmm. possibly. If you also want to have, uh, wait, we could do something um, like speaking um, about Japan. <laughs> uh, I was because you have right, to go to Japan if true, you want to go to true. a VR. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna go the route because the the Inkling Boy and Inkling Girl are characters you can play in as. Uh, in Mario Kart 8. Oh, in Mario so, Kart. like, maybe... Yeah. Deluxe edition. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the... Not the there's there's not a couple. The, there's okay, a couple anyway. <laughs> Today, a Splatoon anime was announced. Uh, it is an adaptation of the Splatoon manga by Korokoro, uh, a uh, company in Japan that specializes in manga and anime, as it happens to, 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 to do. Um, it will be debuting on August 12th on their YouTube channel, and that's all that we know about it so far. Thoughts? Uh, I'm a kid now, I'm a squid now. Those are my Good. thoughts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, um, I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm glad that... I'm glad that an anime is coming out for it. I thought the world is really... Um, this might sound super nerdy. If you get the lore scrolls in Splatoon, you'll realize how screwed up that world really is. Like, there's a lot of um, hinting at this is like a post-apocalyptic world that <laughs> these squids are inhabiting nice. in. And they're living off of the ruins of human society, essentially. There's, I wonder if they'll touch any of that. Because if you act, um, you should, if you guys get a chance, you should definitely read the Hidden Scroll lore. Um, somewhere on, I'm sure it has to be somewhere on the internet uh, for the first Splatoon game because it's kind of, it's dark. It really is. Um, so I hope they kind of explore a little bit of that. I highly doubt that they will do that though. But a man can dream. A squid kid can dream. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited. I'll check it out probably. Yeah. Tyler, any general thoughts? Not a fan of anime, okay. not a fan of Splatoon, but um general thought is <laughs> That's a great that's a great question. I have possibly an answer. Is there a need for this? Like is there is well, there a demand I, for to this? To be honest, I'm not sure specifically as far as Splatoon. Again, there was a comic that was or a manga rather that was made. Um, and uh-huh. I don't know if people liked it or not. I think it was only in Japanese. Uh, maybe you can read a fan, fan translation. There somewhere. was an English version re- released for it. Actually. Oh, was there? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I did not read it, but I don't know. People, people may or may not like this world. I'm, I'm interested in going in, in discussing 
animated adaptations in general, if that's all right with you guys. Um, I mean, we talked about Castlevania. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so there, there are lots of sort of animated adaptations of things coming out recently. Castlevania, of course, as you mentioned. Splatoon's coming out. Um, Assassin's Creed anime is supposed to be in the works. There's some. There's supposed to be some kind of maybe this was it but i don't think so some kind of nintendo related uh animated cartoon that was going out based on one of their products people thought it was going to be Star Fox for a while um and there's there why don't you I, think I, this is a... to be honest i have no clue because honestly i've been banking on Star Fox, and i'm hoping it's Star Fox. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanna yeah, exactly. you're just keeping the hope alive I want I want a Fire Emblem anime. That's all my that's all my dreams. So there. my I guess my question to you guys is: Castlevania has been well received, and if this Splatoon anime is more or less well received, we're gonna have basically two adaptations of video games in a row that are successful. Um, do you feel like that's the the that these animated adaptations of games are going to be superseding live action you know films or things like that is that a superior way to be adapting a video game is it a lesser way to be adapting a video game uh thoughts um i don't think they'll supersede live action films in general i do think that overall this is just i mean uh for context um i'm not sure if my knowledge about this is correct. I'm pretty sure that most video game movies are like actually tax write-offs for the people who are making them. I mean, at least up until this point. But with Castlevania, that kind of was like, I guess it was like, not only was it more true to its source material, it kind of, they didn't restrict themselves. I think when they went uh, about writing for that, and also for the art style of that specific animated adaptation of a video game, I I would prefer like animated uh, adaptations of video games over live action ones. But you also need to keep in mind that animated stuff isn't cheap. It's it's super expensive actually compared to just a normal live action adaptation. So I guess maybe what it would demonstrate is hey, maybe you should um, care about good writing <laughs> when it comes to, like, these um, adaptations, I guess. I guess those are my thoughts about that. As far as um, live-action versus animated adaptations, I think it entirely depends on the actual uh, game or, or whatever the adaptation is for what the world i think it entirely depends on stuff like the setting and and the tone of the game and stuff like that because um i mean i might not this may not be like a popular opinion at least here in the states but like i enjoyed warcraft i enjoyed the the warcraft film um and that was a mostly live action there was a lot of cgi in it though um but I don't know if I've ever seen an animated adaptation of a video game before. Um, but it's interesting because uh, there do seem to be a lot more of them coming out recently, and I feel like a lot more are going to be announced in the near future. It seems like uh, video games are kind of leaking into every other kind of media in life as it becomes 
more accepted in the general populace and more people are starting to do it and i think that's really cool because it can you know connect, it can connect more people together and uh just it's really interesting to see where it goes from here nice i enjoyed both of those answers thank you very much yep all right well now that splatoon is over oh i want to i want to mention one thing Okay, about Splatoon. Yeah, Zach. Zach brought this up. He 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 was like, the world of Splatoon is really messed up, and I'm like, I've never read into the lore, but one thing that made me laugh when I was playing or after the results of the Splatoon two, um, Splatfest, was that whichever uh whichever thing wins in the Splatfest, like in in the lore in like ca- like canonically, the thing that wins in the universe of Splatoon is by law better than the thing that loses. <laughs> like, like it's, it's so weird. Like oh. that that's so intense. I would agree. Ice cream I, is yeah, better I got, than cake. I, would agree I with that. also tend to agree with this. Um but that that's just so bizarre to me. Anyway <laughs> That is pretty crazy. On that note, that wraps up our games news for this week this week of uh july 17th july 16th sunday are we counting sunday by sundays or mondays i have no idea but this um, week we just dated the podcast now this it is 905 p.m what's what's the problem with dating the podcast that's literally what we're doing by discussing relevant news we did say this news came out today on like yeah. every article. Uh, yeah, so. I get that true. That's, Never mind. That's the problem. Anyway. I just don't want to be a stale meme. I'm sorry. Anyway. I want to be fresh forever. <laughs> anyway, for the fourth time. <laughs> thank you for joining us on this fourth episode. Uh Tyler, please before we before we give yes. our before we say goodbye. Please uh, go ahead. Tell us your name. Tell us where people can find you. Alrighty, so I'm Tyler. I'm known on the interwebs as a the Mister Opelopo. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, or uh, I'm not very active on there anymore. Sometimes I'll do uh, Twitch streams of like PUBG or or Diablo or something like that. So you can find me at twitch.tv slash Mister Opelopo. That's M R. O P E L E P O. Thanks for having me on the uh, podcast today, guys. It was a, Thank it was a pleasure. Thank you for being here. It was great having yeah. you too. It was a good time. Zach, where can our listeners find you? Um, right now, you can uh, reach me on Twitter at the Zaxinator, uh, capital T H E, capital Z A X X O N A T O R. If you tweet me something like, any sort of compliment, complaint, whatever, no matter what it is, I'm probably just going to send a meme back at you, so uh, please do that anyway. Can confirm. Confirmed. I tested it yeah. last week. 100% confirmed, actually. Got a, uh, Zach, got a doged meme yeah. back. Zach is, Zach is one for one on the the response to meme ratio. He's one... Yeah, 100%. I did it in like 10 minutes, I think. Yeah, <laughs> right, so, you know, I'm pretty proud of he's, myself, yeah. yeah. He's on those. He's he's on those Twitter responses. <laughs> uh, and I 
am Christopher DeLeon. I have been your host for this week's podcast. You can find me uh, on my blog, uh, Retro Fito Leon. That's the word retro, F-I-T-O-L-E-O-N dot WordPress dot com or on Twitter at Retro Fito Leon. Thank you very much for listening and have a good day. Goodbye. Later. Bye.